I believe we've got the superintendent on the line now. Superintendent Jennifer Gill, are you there? Yes, I am. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. We were just uh, mentioning that I know this is a very busy day for you. First day of school uh, in ordinary times, and these are anything but ordinary times. So we do appreciate you taking some time to chat with us today. Thank you. Thank you. I want to start, uh, unfortunately, with the breaking news we've had today, and that was the very unfortunate incident at Southeast High School this morning where an altercation involving three students resulted in one of them being stabbed. The good news is that student is expected to recover. The other two are in custody. What can you tell us about that situation and about what happens now going forward? Um, you know, it was a very isolated situation. It did happen uh, right after fourth hour around 1130 today. And, and there was an altercation um, between the three individuals. And um, as you said, uh, you know, it was a very short um, incident. And the outcome was one of the students was stabbed. Um, so that was it was tragic. It, I absolutely hated getting that call. And, you know, I do want to in the end say i'm so thankful for the way people responded um our school nurse and we also have a cna there um that had formerly been an emt uh you know jumping into action and and doing the things that they needed to do um to help the the person who was injured um and then the response time of spd and the and the paramedics were amazing uh to the recovery that the school made quite quickly to make sure all students and staff were safe and informed and and all of those things it was it was a very fast turnaround time uh getting out um a school response as well uh to parents so you know, I just want to thank everybody on the first day for being so responsive um, to an incident such as this. What heightened security measures are being put in place, at least for tomorrow, and, and how long do you expect those to last? Well, you know, I think um, today, you know, obviously we had a heavier SPD presence there for the, for the rest of the day. Um, and then as we go into tomorrow, um, students can expect some precautionary, um, you know, measures that will be taken during the school day. They'll see more presence of police. And um, in the past, I think students have been aware that we can do uh, wanding and things of that nature. So um, I believe we will be be doing that throughout the day, um, you know, and just doing them um, in, in different random spots throughout the building. Uh, we want to make sure that all students understand this is not the place uh, to carry out um, any violence. Um, this is not the place to bring um, any weapons, and we will take those uh, very seriously. Uh, we have measures in place to uh, protect the students that are that are there wanting to learn and, and not ones that want to come in and, and create this kind of, of havoc in our schools. It just won't be tolerated. Um, and, you know, I, my heart goes out to the young man who's, you know, wanted to start the school year off and, and, you know, is now injured. So, you know, it's just a frustrating day for us to be back after COVID and to finally be together and then to have something like this happen. Uh, but it was a very isolated incident. Um, took very, very quick amount of time to turn around. And again, so thankful for the support that we had at the school. Superintendent, I know we, uh, from time to time, have talked in the past about uh, whether we should consider metal detectors and things like that as sort of a permanent fixture, at least in our high schools, maybe the middle schools as well. Uh, and I know there have always been concerns about the cost, about the manpower, about the time that it adds to getting students in. But after an incident like this, is, is that something that you think deserves further consideration? You know, nothing. Nothing's out of the out of the realm of possibility as we move throughout. Um, you know, all of our our infrastructure that we're going to do at the schools. We just know that 
in order to have metal detectors, we've done quite a quite a bit of research on it. In order to do metal detectors right, you should have an armed um, officer at each of those settings or a security guard in the very least. So that means uh, mound power. If you bring everybody in one door, it can slow down the process in the morning. Um, the other part of it is, uh, you know, you can go in the door and it's just hard to prevent every single incident from happening. Um, and not all things can be caught by a metal detector that could could harm an individual. So nothing's ever 100% foolproof. Uh, but, you know, as we move forward, you know, we can, we, we're always willing to look at things. New technologies come out all the time that make things easier. Um, but it does require a combination of manpower and, um, you know, the actual devices themselves and the upkeep and the installation and the electricity that must run to them and all of those things. Springfield School Superintendent Jennifer Gill is here with us on the first day of school in District 186. And this school year is starting with, uh, according to the updated uh, COVID dashboard on the district's website, now 255 students in exclusion status because of possible exposure to COVID. 17 staffers also in exclusion status right now. Uh, and that you know, a lot of those were in place even before the school year started. But with students all back in the buildings together now, should we expect those numbers to go substantially higher? Um, you know, hey, that that's a predictive uh, question in nature. We certainly hope they don't, but, you know, anything is possible. Uh, some of those that are excluded may have had a symptom um, and are seeking either alternative diagnoses or, uh, you know, a, a negative test at this time. Uh, they may have been a primary contact to a positive, so they're not all positive cases. But it is something that, you know, we're going to continue to see numbers like this in the very near term if you just look at the numbers of our community. Um, the staff number is down to 16 um, at this time, you know, and so we're just, we're, we're plugging along. This is something that we've learned to deal with. We're very serious about quarantining and very serious about our contact tracing and uh, so, you know, we, we're going to be very open and honest and very transparent through our data dashboard. How uh, were you able to handle, you know, having all of those students uh, back today for the first time in almost 18 months to have them in those numbers? Did you have sufficient staff on hand with some of those exclusion numbers you dealt with? Uh, any uh, problems or, or things that have to be adjusted in the days to come? You know, we were able to, with some of our federal dollars, hire permanent substitutes for the buildings and also dedicated substitutes. That really helped if we had anybody out uh, that needed to have coverage. And, you know, we continue to have dedicated subs uh, that, that can be called in on a moment's notice. And then also a large sub pool um, are really wanting to come back to work. So we'll continue to uh, call upon those subs uh, if we do need um, people and, and positive coverage. But, you know, we're not expecting a year that doesn't have it have its bumps. Um, we know that that COVID's in our midst and, and doing this the right way and making sure people quarantine for the right amount of time um, is a very important part of us being back and doing the right thing. So, um, you know, at this point in time today, we were fine. Um, we'll see see how it goes throughout the day, out the next few weeks. Any issues of students who came to school and just didn't want to wear the mask, defied the, uh, the mask mandate? We've seen this in some other districts around the state. Did we have any issues like that here locally? So I just got done meeting with my entire cabinet, and we did not have any that were just outright uh, defiant and not wanting to follow the rules for 
more political reasons or things of that nature. But, you know, we had some little ones that we had to work with, and we're going to teach those expectations. Uh, we had some students that, that struggle with wearing a mask that, that, you know, throughout the day. I know it was it was hard on the teachers to have to remind them, but we're in it to really teach kids about the importance of masks, uh, give them every opportunity to comply with the mask order and, and understand it's important. And I think once students start, start to see other people around them wearing them, it, it may be even easier. And those are the little kids that I'm talking about. But for the most part, everybody came in and, and was doing a great job. I was out and about in uh, four or five different schools, and, and so were all of my cabinet. We visited every single school across the uh, city, and we did not have any large-scale uh, problems with masking. I, I know I hear anecdotally another area where this becomes a problem is with some of your uh, special needs students, some of the more profoundly disabled students that really struggle with that. How do you cope with, with that in that uh, situation where, again, it's not just a, a matter of saying, hey, you have to put the mask back on, that uh, you know, there's, there's other issues that are entailed there? You know, those are those are situations that we we are constantly aware of. And I have amazing teachers who will do just about anything. They'll do, you know, what we call discrete trials to get kids to wear the mask and try to do everything possible to entice them and and encourage them. But if they just can't tolerate a mask and are not doing well, uh, we will call together a problem solving team and work with the family to determine if there is an accommodation that can be made at school or if there's another type of of program that we need to put in place so that those students are safe and those around them are safe and and it's just a matter of getting through the first few days and seeing if things continue or go a different direction but those are the places where you know, our hearts go out because we know it's very hard for those students to understand and tolerate um, a mask and, and have a larger understanding of the importance. And we'll continue to work and, and work alongside parents and, and our teachers to make sure that everybody feels safe in these settings. Springfield School Superintendent Jennifer Gill is with us. And Superintendent, I, I know we've talked about the fact that the, the state's policy is to have students in school for in-person instruction unless they're in a quarantine situation. We do know of at least one area school district, Staunton, that had to go to fully remote learning for a week because of just the sheer number of cases they've had there. And while we don't have specific metrics that have been uh, put in place or publicly uh, released about this, do you have in your own mind some idea about what it would take? At what point would we have to uh, to say that a, a school or even perhaps the entire district might have to go this route if, if the numbers head in the wrong direction? Well, it's hard for me um, to, to determine that right now, but, you know, obviously, if we had severe staffing shortages or, um, you know, we had a, a large what would be considered an outbreak at a school, we would always work alongside our, the Sangamon County Health Department to determine what steps we would need to take. Um, it is unlikely, you know, unless there's a, a larger emergency order that we would shut down the entire district or anything like that. It would be more of an uh, individual school situation where we're a pretty big system with you know, close to 13,000 students that started school today. So we want to make sure that we, um, you know, take things one step at a time and, and kind of see if any of it is uh, regionalized. But, you know, for right now, everything was spread out across several buildings. We didn't have any one school, you know, with a large concentration. And in one on one note, when we see um, a high number of exclusions right now from school that are students, we really appreciate the parents that are keeping their child home because they have COVID-like symptoms until they can get that, um, you know, either an alternative diagnosis or get a negative test. You know, we don't look at that number as always bad. We look at that number as possibly a precautionary measure that we appreciate 
so that kids that may or may not have a symptom that's related to COVID don't come to school and and spread that further. So, you know, I think it's just about being proactive, uh, keeping our masks on and, and doing the right things that can help keep that situation under control. When we last spoke, uh, registrations were, were picking up slowly. Uh, do you have a, a number as far as first day enrollment? How many students are formally uh, enrolled in the district? And uh, it, do, are you expecting this to get back to pre-pandemic levels? Right. So we're, we're actually doing quite well. Um, we have 13,290 students who started the registration process. Um, and we had um, about 11,358 that are completely uh, registered for school. We expect some of those students uh, did show up today. So we're roughly around 12,000 students that were in attendance today. And we, we know that some of them are still finishing up the registration process and will continue to arrive at school. So our principals are working hard to call and make sure that we get parents in and students in to, so that we can register and get everything started. So if you've yet to show up to school, please do so as soon as possible and get the registration uh, started. They can help you at school or you can go online and register your child. In addition to all the COVID questions, there are also other required immunizations uh, for children mm-hmm. at every age level. Uh, and those deadlines approach very rapidly at the start of the school year, too. What do parents need to know about that process and when do they have to have all of that paperwork in? Well, they really, it was due today, um, the first day of school, but we do have uh, 10 days here where we're going to really work with families to get that information completed and and turned in. We have one last um, opportunity at the Springfield Public Health Department. You can call and get a a spot for a physical and immunizations on that day. Um, And so that is, that's something that you need to get an appointment for if you go, but just call your doctor, call anywhere, ask where you can get uh, your vaccines and your um, you know, immunizations for for your physical and your physicals for this upcoming school year. That's a very important thing. We don't want to see students start back and then have to be excluded for reasons, you know, any for any other reason than what we might already have in front of us with COVID. So it's very important. Um, please remember, this is not talking about the COVID vaccine, but we're talking about those regular immunizations that are required by law, uh, where students cannot remain in school unless they unless they have those physicals and immunizations. The school year is off and running, and the closest we've been to quote-unquote normal since March of 2020. Springfield School Superintendent Jennifer Gill, we always appreciate your time. Thank you. Yeah, let's keep talking. Thank you.